Father, thank you for this testimony of your goodness and your tender heart. And Father, thank you for putting a new heart inside of us, for taking away a stony heart that, that didn't know how good you were, that didn't know even to want you. But God, you've taken that away and you've replaced it with a, a heart that is soft and tender and, and longs for you and wants the goodness, your goodness to touch us and to heal us and, and set us free. God, that's the heart you've given us. So God, thank you for tenderizing our hearts. And, and God, because of this message and because even of what I'm going to, what, what I f- feel so strongly led to, to share tonight, I'm, I'm asking God even right now, because I was going to do this later, but I want to start with this, Lord, that you would release in this room a spirit of evangelism. Father, from heaven, release that spirit of evangelism. Father, not everyone in this room is not necessarily an evangelist as a, as a fivefold, as described in Ephesians, but we're all evangelists. We all carry the good news within our hearts. We all have our testimony that you have changed us. You've taken us from where we were. You loved us exactly where we were, and you've loved us into more and more health. God, our story is a story that people need to hear everywhere, everywhere. So, so, Lord, thank you. I just release that, that spirit of evangelism to fall upon us so that as we go from this place, whether we're going into the workplace, into the schools, into the market, wherever we are, God, that we will be unashamed to tell people about a Father who loves them, about a Savior, a Savior who wants them, who has died to set them free. So, Father, make us uh, bold. And thank you that even in... In Deborah's story, there were those moments that was com- that were completely um, sovereign. It was something you just did. You fell. Your spirit fell. But it also was because even though she said no, 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 she said yes. And Lord, that's all of our story. That's the story we're going to talk about tonight. Even if we've said no before, Lord, when we say yes, you hear that yes, and you and it becomes a divine setup in ways that we could never imagine. So, Father, would you, as you're tenderizing our hearts, would you, would you um, get, get us to that place where we are quick to say yes, yes, yes to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, so good, so good, so good. Uh, we're, uh, obviously, we're heading into the, the holiday season where... Um, Where the scripture in John 3.16 comes to life, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. This is the season where we remember the miracle that God broke into history and said, I have, my, my, my children have to know the truth. They have to know who I really am. But I want you to know something. Um, there's a scripture we all know well that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. His character, his nature never changes. Meaning that actually what Jesus came into the world to herald, the truth that he herald, that there is a father who wants you. And, and of course, coming to pay a price that only he could pay. But I want to tell you that was, all, that was already the father's heart long, long before that, for eternity, actually. And uh, tonight, we're going to go back... Um, 800 years 
Uh, sorry, uh, yes. Sorry, 800 years from, am I saying that right? Yeah, 800 years before Jesus to a prophet Jonah because I'm going to show you something that, that, that's, that, that Jesus didn't come to give us a new version of God, a new, a, new, uh, under, you know, a new understanding of Yahweh that wasn't there. He came to clarify who the Father had always been. And so this is a story, Jonah, uh, the prophet Jonah, um, that is a remarkable story. And uh, I really couldn't decide tonight between two titles. So since I have the microphone, I, I'm picking them both. You get, you're doing both titles. So the outrageous love of God is really what this story is about. Yes, it's about Jonah, and we're going to see how we're like him in a lot of ways. But it's really about the outrageous love of God, or another title would be God's Relentless Pursuit, is really what this story is all about. So um, this is, it's a really short book. It's, uh, it's four chapters long, but only about two and a half pages in my Bible. It's very short. It's kind of like a, a four-act play, if you will. And uh, act, act one, it starts as the curtain rises up. This is what happens. Is it just says Yahweh, God, Father, starts talking to Jonah directly and says, Up, get up, arise, and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to them that their wickedness has forced itself upon me. Now, so right away, he's, 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 he picks Jonah. He says, You're my man. We're going to see in a minute that Jonah did not want to be his man. But he said, you're my man, here's the message. But he said, go to Nineveh, the great city. Now, we, in, the, in the very next line, we see there's wickedness, there's evil. And he says, this is my great city, Jonah. Tonight, when we're talking about whether it's the Bay Area or the city that you live in, it's time that we see what God sees. Because he sees the reason why every one of our communities is together. It is about souls. It is about children. But it's also about cities. And it's about regions. And it's about destinies of what he's intended to happen there. So he says, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to them that their wickedness has forced itself upon me. Now, right here, we have two roads that, that, this, that this story could go down. One is that God is ticked. This is, yep, I knew it. It's the Old Testament God. This is where he gets really angry and he's going to, you know, his intention is I want to find a reason to smite you, you know. That would be one angle, except that we're going to learn really fast that that's not what this story is at all because that's not the Father's heart. But instead, what he's saying is, this is, think about this a second. This is outside of the, the Jewish, this is not Israel. This is actually, uh, Nineveh is actually modern day Iraq. Did you know that? So the Lord's saying to this area in the Middle East, I'm hearing the cries of wickedness. It's forced itself upon me. Not because he's angry and wants to smite them. I know it's going to sound like that with, with the line, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you in the scripture. That's not what he's saying. He's saying whenever there's evil going on, whenever bad things are happening, people are getting oppressed. You understand that, right? In an area, like when bad things happen... People are starting to cry out because it's not good. And we have a tendency, like, you know, when we see bad things in an area, in a nation, in a region, we have a tendency sometimes to villainize a whole nation. Don't kid yourselves. Most people are, are puppets in there getting squashed. They're, they are not wanting the oppression at all. God's hearing the cries. And he's sending a prophet to say, 
it's time to turn. I've heard your cries, and I'm actually going to bring you an answer. So here's Jonah, and of course, you know, great man of faith. This would be another title for Jonah. The very next thing is, uh, sorry, I'm doing it on here, is you want me to do what? (laughs) Which, as you can see in that picture, leads to all kinds of adventures. In other words, his answer, he didn't say it in the scriptures right here, but his answer was no stinking way am I going to do that. And you might think, you might be thinking, well, you know, what's his reason? We learn later his reason is because he knows good and well. If he goes and does that, he knows the heart of God, which is good. Those people are going to turn. I don't want them to turn. This is an evil place. I want those guys to, you know, I want you to just smite them. This is Jonah who wants it, not God. He's like, nope, not going to do it. So he takes off for Tarshish, which, by the way, is about four times longer in the other direction than if he had just gone to Nineveh. He gets, pays money, gets on a boat, he falls asleep underneath, and, and it says in here that God causes the storm. It says very clearly, because he is not going to let Jonah say no. Why? Because he loves people. He picked Jonah. He said, Jonah, we, I got a lesson you're going to learn in this, and you're, it's not going to be fun, it's not going to be pretty, but I'm not going to change my mind. I love people. I have a message for you to go send to them. Jonah is in the boat. Uh, here comes the storm. It's really bad. The, uh, all the people on, on, the, on board, the, the, the crew, they're praying to their own gods, and nothing is happening because they're not praying to Yahweh. And uh, they're throwing everything off the boat, you know, trying to get weight off so the boat doesn't sink. They don't know what's wrong. Jonah's, you know, happily snoozing. You know, isn't that interesting? You know, when we, if we want to shut off and turn God off, because we don't want to do what he says, we can actually be just like that. I'm just going to turn that off. I really, la, 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 I really don't want to hear what you have to say. And that's where Jonah was. So they, they cast lots, the crew does. It's what they know to do to try to come up with an answer. And how many of you know God probably had his hand in like making, I don't know how lots work actually, but making it go to Jonah, they suddenly know he's the culprit. They wake him up and say, what the heck's going on? Who are you? And he says, well, I'm a Hebrew, I worship Yahweh, and you're right, it's my fault. That's what he says. And they're like, what are we going to do? Pray to your God. And he says, I got a better idea, throw me off the ship. That's exactly what he says. Because he doesn't want to do this thing, he's like, God, in many places in the story, he says, just kill me. Life would be better if you just killed me, because I don't want to do this. So he, but you know, it's kind of hard, you sometimes... People want to, want to die, but it's really hard to actually do it. So he's like, just throw me off. You know, just you guys do it for me. I'm trying to take the easy way out. Uh, they, they finally decide to do it, but this is the fascinating thing. They throw him off the boat, and, and when they do, they start praying to Yahweh, to, the, to our God, our Father, and they say, please don't hurt us. We know this was your servant. He told us to do it, basically is what they're saying. And when they do, when they pray and when they throw them, all of a sudden the seas instantly calm. Now they are freaked out. They are afraid. They're like, this God is real. And they, it says that they worship him. They offer vows to him. You're the God we're going to serve. That's crazy. I mean, the story could stop right there. That is amazing and crazy. But it doesn't end there, you know, because God says, no, 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 Jonah, you're not going to get off that easy. You know, here comes a big fish 
swallows the guy. And you know in the natural, any one of us is dead at that point, right? You know, the acids inside of us, yeah, you're not going to live. Inside of a fish's stomach, that's not going to go well. But, but somehow God has this little, nice little cocoon for him to stay alive in. And in there, now, we're, now I think we're in chapter 2. I don't, I don't really know. Let's see. Let me see where we are. Oh, yeah. So we're, I think we're in chapter 2. But in, inside the belly, this is where Jonah starts praying. He comes to his senses. You know, you're the God I always loved, and I worship you, and you're awesome, and you're amazing, and to you is all the salvation. And, and you know, somewhere in there, God had mercy and says, okay, Jonah, I'll have the fish spit you out. By the way, this is the original, ultimate um, Aquaman. <laughs> I'm talking about God, Yahweh. He talks to the, it says very clearly, he's the one that caused the fish to swallow him up and then to, it says actually vomit him out. That was not pretty. Like, like Jonah did not get off easy. I, I, we aren't going to go there. Don't let your mind go there too much. Um, what happens? He gets, he gets spit out. What does God say? If I could reverse the slides back, it would say the exact same thing or get up God does not change his mind get up go to Nineveh that great city and you tell them what I tell you to tell them right (laughs) that's going to ruin a message right when someone smells like fish spit up yeah okay so he goes to Nineveh he goes to Nineveh here's here's a, a picture um Goes to Nineveh. And, um, and now it says that he walks a day's travel into Nineveh. And then he says this. He says, he, he says only 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. In the, in the Hebrew, it says he only used five words. That's five words to say that. I don't know how that works, but it just does. 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, there's a lot of question marks in some of the stories we read. Like, is that really all God said? Or was... was was Jonah just so ticked off that he did the bare minimum and said, God, I'll do it, but I won't like it. You know, Nineveh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm choosing to edit out so many words that I want to use, but I'm not going to. <laughs> this is family friendly. He's not happy. He's like, I could just see him almost one, 40 days more and you're going to be overthrown. What happens? Everybody repents. And turns, look at what's not in here. What they did wrong, what they need to do to make it better. They, nothing's in here. Who, who is saying it? Like Yahweh, did he say those things? I don't know. The story doesn't say. This is all they said, it, he says. And suddenly everybody turns and the king makes a decree and everybody is fasting and praying and sackcloth and ashes and ripping their robes and saying, Lord, have mercy. And, and you know what? Um, Jonah is ticked. He is so upset that this is happening because he's like, I knew it, God. I knew it. And that's actually the very next thing that happens. I'm kind of shortening the story down because I want to get to to something. But here he is. The very next thing it says, he, he goes outside of the city and they're all turning and repenting. And he, and he is so angry and says he makes a little shelter there. And if you could see, that's the city way in the background. And he's, it says he's sitting there waiting. Like in other words, he's waiting and watching. Like he's really hoping that this does not work for them. He is still wanting them to perish. He really is. And, and so he makes this little shelter for a little bit of shade. 
God causes, it says, a castor oil plant with got nice big leaves, so there's actually some shade. And he's all of a sudden really happy. He's like, this is, okay, life's not so bad. This is good. Thank you, Lord. You blessed me. Okay, I like this. And uh, the next thing, it says, the next day God caused a worm to basically cause the thing to die. And so now the shade's gone. He's ticked again. Here comes a scorching wind. Here comes, you know, the sun. He's baking. And he's like, God, just kill me already. He said it, he said it twice. And each time God says, really, you think, you think you have a right to be angry? And basically the second time he says, you're darn tootin' I do. After, after God causes his shade to go away. Something Tim just prophesied I want to I bring right here. And that is... There are many times where we're getting sidetracked with what we're here to do because of comfort. I'm just going to say it. And I'm joining you when I say that. I'm saying, especially in America, we've got so much. I mean, if we want, we can isolate ourselves and watch TV all day and whatever, eat whatever we want, you know. We've got all this comfort um, that that is causing us many times to be distracted. Don't get me wrong. God wants us to enjoy life. We're supposed to do fun things with family. All that good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I'm also saying we get really distracted from what we're here for. We're, we're the good news bringers. That's what we're here for. We're the ambassadors of love, of Christ. That's what we're here for. And, and we get really comfortable. So, so and you know, it's this, this story of Jonah is kind of funny at times, you know, and, and we want to... Ah, uh, what's he thinking? But the reality is, we do the same thing. And there are times where he, there's times, and probably many of you have experienced this, where, where he'll point somebody out. Hey, why don't you go over and, you know, give him a good word, do something. <laughs> I heard this recently from someone. Yes, yeah, Lord, okay, if I go into the store and I come back out, then I'll do it. You know, whatever it is, we find our ways like, ah, oh, this is a little too uncomfortable. I think I'd rather not. So, so in so many ways, we're like Jonah. Um, and uh, the, the amazing thing at the very end, he says, he says to Jonah, um, look, you know, this plant, I, I put it there to bless you, yeah, and, and it's gone. You, you think that's a reason to get angry and, and fuming at me. And he says, and, and this is where Jonah says, yeah, you bet I do. And, and this is God's response to him. Father, his father, Jonah's father, says to him, why should I not be concerned for Nineveh, the great city, there he goes again, calling it a great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left to say nothing of all their animals. This is the tenderness of Papa who says, I, even the animals I care about. And you're talking about 120,000 people. Of course they can't make good choices. Of course there's evil. They don't know their right hand from their left. Who's going to tell them? How do they know? See, God's not judging as, as we think in the sense of, well, that's too wicked. There's a line somewhere, and if you cross it, yeah, you're toast. That's, not, that's never his heart. His heart is always, I love you. I love you. I'm pursuing you. Come back to me. And what's interesting is that is that, okay, Jonah, I will say this, he was obedient finally, right? And, and isn't that all of us at times, where we won't do something, and then finally we do it. Jesus even had a parable about that, about two sons, I won't get into that, but the one who said they wouldn't, but then they did, you know, that was a good thing. Um, anyway, that was a quick aside, sorry. 
back to Jonah. (laughs) God loves people. He loves all of his children across the earth. And he loves cities and he loves nations. Every single nation on this earth. He has a huge heart for every single nation and a huge plan for every nation. One of the interesting things about Nineveh is that after this encounter, historically, that city prospered more. I'm not saying to this day, but I'm saying there was a season in which that city prospered greatly and, and far more trade came in and out of that area. Why would that be? Well, because he had prepared them for it. It, He had now not just blessed them economically to thrive, which which the Lord wants to do, but he also got their hearts ready because there was about to be a whole lot more people coming in, streaming in and out of that place. And now they had a story to tell. And they were part of sharing the good news with the world. San Francisco, we're going to, I'm going to have Bill up in just a few minutes, but San Francisco and the surrounding areas has phenomenal promises uh, from the Lord over it. Th- this is a city and, that where there, good and bad has been exported from this city for a long, long time. It is, a, it is a portal, if you will, to the world. There are several of them, of course, on the earth. But I'm telling you, San Francisco is a major portal to the world of things good and bad. And the Lord says, if my people... <laughs> will humble themselves and pray. If my people will see what I see, if my people will, will turn and, and see the goodness of my heart and walk in the light and start to be the light, if they will pray. There's a verse, um, many of us know, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Just a few verses before that, God says, pray to the city, for which I, to which I have exiled you. It says, work for the good of the city and pray, because upon its welfare, yours depends. We're tied in with the place that we live. There's a reason you're here. There's a reason that you're in the occupation that you're in, or even if you're between occupations, the one you're going to be in. There's a reason you're in the city that you're in, in the neighborhood that you're in. It's None of that's coincidental, and you are tied to it. You are tied to the, to, to the region, to the land, a lot more than you know. This is all part of a much bigger plan. And so all of us, like, like Jonah, so, okay, okay, Pastor Brent, what do we do? You pray, which means, and, and start with, God... Give me your heart for for my city. Let me see what you see so I can start declaring that. So I can declare the great city of Nineveh. The great city that you live in. The great city of San Francisco. You pray. You declare good things with your mouth. So we, we, we have to stop cursing our own region with things that we say. Our own politicians, our own school systems, our own fill in the blank. We just have to stop say, saying those things and start declaring what God wants to have happen. Because your words are super powerful. And you're declaring, you're prophesying. This has been all about prophecy tonight. You're prophesying the future. So be careful to not speak negative things about your region. Even I understand frustrating things happen. I get it. I'm not saying close your eyes and pretend they don't happen. But ask God what his reality is and what he wants to usher in. And that's what you're going to say. Okay? And the third thing is, is you just, wherever you are, you open your mouth and share your story with people who, are, who need it. 
I think we've been so afraid of offending people, we don't realize we've got the absolute greatest thing that everybody wants. I think because that message came in a condemning, judgmental way for a whole long time, that's changing now, you understand. But because, you know, from the church, many people felt judged and and ostracized and not good enough, you know, we're kind of ashamed sometimes. Well, you know, we really shouldn't be sharing these things, um, you know, separation of church and state and all that good stuff. No, actually, actually, just like Joseph was put in Pharaoh's house, you're going to be put in places where you are the voice they have to hear. Just earlier today, um, Suzanne and I, we, we, we had uh, dinner with um, Joe and Anna Smiley. And, you know, Joe, they were a big part of our church for a long time over our prayer ministry. And uh, Joe... Um, has a job at a correction facility. It's, it's basically kids that are very troubled, and they go in for about a five-month um, experience where they're getting all kinds of truth and education. Then they get a mentor a year after that, and it's, it's actually state and federally funded, and it's making a huge difference. And he was sharing the stories that he is getting permission when the kids want spiritual input that he absolutely may talk to them and tell them all about Jesus. And he, and he told a story after story that made us cr- weep and cry with these kids who are wanting Jesus, who are finding him, and their lives are totally being turned right side up. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And, and so I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm not saying to um, be rude and offensive and, you know, inappropriate when you have work to do. I get all that. I really do. That's part of the excellence of the kingdom, right, is that we are actually really good employees. Um, but I am saying is, is when God presents the opportunities, don't walk away from it. You're the one. You're the, you're the man. You're the woman that he has in place, right? And, and uh, please don't think, you know, little old me. I, <laughs> You're, you're, you're mighty. You have, the whole, you, have the, you have the spirit of God living inside of you. There is nothing that you and he can't do together. Absolutely nothing. You're right where he wants you. And that, you know that first word that Jonah spoke where, where he said, uh, where, where, um, let me just find it so I can say it the right way. At the very beginning where God says, up and go to Nineveh and, and proclaim to them that their weakness has forced itself upon me. Mm. You know, I'm, I've, I've, I'm sorry, I'm just going to leave that one. There's a, there's a word in the Hebrew. Um, it's, it's when uh, Jonah, um, I'm sorry, it's when he went to Nineveh. That's what it is. Let me just back up. I want to just go there. Since I went there, I want to go there. There we go. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. There's two ways to read that word overthrown in the Hebrew. One is that um, God's, God's getting, you know, bad things are going to happen. Everything's going to be turned upside down. It's going to be awful. The other way that same word is used is everything's going to be turned right side up. It's going to be thrown back over the way it was meant to be. And I'm telling you that because, because this is one of the keys to reading scriptures is once you know the heart of God and, and when you start studying different words, you'll start to see our father, the one that Jesus showed us, is the same father. He came to Nineveh to turn it back right side up again. And that's what happened. All right? A couple of verses and then I'm going to ask Bill to come up here. Are you okay with God loving your enemies? 
Sure I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying this will get tested. You know the people that really offend you and really hurt you and do really bad things to you. Are you okay that God loves them and that he's never quitting on them? Are you okay with that? Because I tell people about when they need to forgive, I say, yeah, and ask God to bless them. Oh, no, Pastor Ren. No, 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 no. If you knew what they did to me, I, I know. Do you really want that person to stay that way? Or would you rather God bless them to become the person that he had always intended them to be? See, forgiving somebody, blessing them, does not necessarily mean you are interacting with their life again if they're an extremely unsafe person. But you have power in your prayers to actually ask God to bless them and to love them. And aren't you glad that Christ's sacrifice on the cross made it clear that God doesn't have enemies and that he extends mercy towards the Jonah inside of each one of us? Isn't that good news? See, his mercy is never failing. None of us are going to get it right. We're not going to all do it right. But he says, I have mercy for that. Check this out. This is uh, after... Jesus takes Zacchaeus down from the tree. I want to go to your house. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is why Jesus came, to seek, to go after and save the lost. He said, I'm representing my Father's heart. Right? Here's one more. Romans 5.18. Just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, we're talking about Adam in the garden, So through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. There's nobody that the Father is not going after. Do you understand that? There's nobody on this earth. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how evil you think they are. The ones you know, ones you don't know from halfway around the world in our the ways that we have, you know, to f- we try to figure things out and who's good and who's not good. God says, how about you just do what I asked, which is love people, see the treasures, see what I see in them. The ones that doesn't mean you're fixing the world, doesn't mean you're saving the world. Jesus did that, but we do go out and share. There's a Father who loves you. There's a Savior who died for you. Don't you want this love, Right? I'm going to pray one more time before I call Bill up. And that is, I want to pray again, Father, because you have been tenderizing our hearts tonight in so many ways, through, through worship, through the silence. That was glorious. Just the silent moments with you. Through the testimonies, through Deborah's testimony, through a message, through a man, through a, an imperfect man like, like Jonah, just like we are imperfect, God. Yet you say, you're my choice. You're... you're I've, I've empowered you. I trust you to actually bring my heart to people. So, Father, would you release again that spirit of evangelism right now in the room, tangibly, let it fall. God, let it stir something up within us so that we're actually looking for the eyes of those who are longing for something. We're looking for the eyes of, of people who are longing for something. And we understand In that moment, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I'm the one you sent. So here we are, Lord.